Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to the Rings of Power, episode 6, Udon. Uh, we're going to talk about the title a little bit. So, Udon is, uh, I believe, Cinderin Elvish for Pit or Underworld. So, roughly about the same meaning as Hell. Which yeah. well, it, it's but isn't that yeah? So it means hell, more or less. Um, like that Balrog was a the flame of Udon, so it was a, a fire demon from. It's hellfire. Is what it's anyway. Yeah, not not hell in the Viking sense of the word, what? which is a different thing, but. So it opens up to Adar putting on, um, actually removing some very Sauron-looking goth spiky gloves and showing his uh, nasty fingernails. And isn't it always a thing that, oh, the evil character always has gross fingernails Yeah. on Voldemort, Saruman? He's in the dirt growing... I guess trees. Uh, I he, thought it was growing orcs at first, but he's planting some kind of seeds in the ground, which we're gonna talk a bit more about later. Yeah. And he is rallying orcs to march, and he's got Waldrig with them. And um, there's no son of Rowan, so I think Rowan was indeed sacrificed off screen. I think he is dead. And. <laughs> Um, somebody, somebody brings up where's Sauron, and one of the orcs is like, "Oh, he's he's scarpered, most likely." You just imagine Sauron doing that. <laughs> is it because I'm touching her? Yeah, sorry. And Adar is saying, "No, I can smell him." Yeah, you can just smell him somehow. Well, so once again, you know, it's... Were they talking about... They were talking about who? They were talking about Sauron. Were they, or were they talking about the... They were talking about guy? Sauron. They were definitely talking about Sauron. Okay, I was not... That was not clear to me at first. So, they're talking about Sauron, they're not talking about the other guy. So, well, that's going to conflict with... What other guy? Things. You mean Morgoth? No. What's the name of that? Adar? <clears throat> Sorry... The elf. Adar. Oh, it's Adar. Okay. See, folks, I'm still learning the names. I don't know. Mind you, a lot of these names have been created for this show. And so they're still playing around with who is finally going to actually re- be revealed as Sauron, if any of them. And, or who's going to be a good guy or a bad guy or any of that. So, bear with me Well, this is like <laughs> all learning new Middle-Earth names. So anyway, so but he was talking about Sauron. They were talking about Sauron, and notice Adar is not referring to himself as Sauron, which no. does not automatically mean he isn't Sauron, and, and because again, if he's Sauron, he's going to lie about and it. And again, he gives, he brings up uh, things that later, in addition to what I was talking about, he brings up things that conflict with what he is saying, so, and what he is doing. Anyway. So they approached the stone uh, tower where the refugees had been, Ostirith. Yeah. And uh, the refugees aren't there, but Arondir is there hidden. Yeah. 
And the orcs fan out to search, and the Rondir is shooting fire arrows, and they hit the bands supporting the towers, which immediately collapse. Those must have been terrible towers if they construction if they just collapse because a band around it was split. Must have been taking physics lessons from Finrod. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh Um, outside of the tower, the refugees are seen alive. No, yeah, they they weren't there. Um, next, the scene moves to Numenorean ships. Any soldiers there sweeping out the horse stables? And oh, he's like, eating an apple and sharing it with a horse. And. He goes up on deck and talks with Galadriel, who does not recognize him, and he says you know, he's a stable sweep. And you know, she goes on about how those kind of that kind of work it promotes humility, and um, if more kings had that, then you know, the realms would be doing better. And he says he didn't come for humility, he came to get away from Numenor, and the real Numenor doesn't exist anymore, if it ever did. And she says that the real Numenor lives on in the hearts of some, even like the lowliest of the stable sweeps. Yeah. And she asks, she asks his name, and when he says he's a silder, she says he looks like his father... And he says, actually, he's been told that he looks like his mother. And then uh, his father, Elendil, comes in and um, dismisses his son, but not by name. You know, he's a soldier now, so he's a soldier and he's like captain. It, it's it's military rank now. Oh, yeah, that's right. And after Isildur has gone off to do whatever he's supposed to do, um, Galadriel asks him about Isildur's mother, and apparently she drowned. Didn't get the circumstances of it, but I assume it had something to do with sailing, or... Yeah, I figured that it was sailing, or maybe it was, uh, well, who knows. They lived on an island. Yeah. Water everywhere. And... Land is sighted, which Galadriel, with her super keen elven vision, has seen hours before anybody else did. And they make overland invasion plans into what appears to be Mordor on the map. Yeah. And it, it turns out to be Mordor. It is Mordor. And next you see Arondir unsuccessfully trying to destroy that evil goth-looking sword hilt. And he's hammering on it at the forge, and that's not doing anything. And you see people are trying to cover up the orc tunnel with some thin boarding and a little dirt fill in. It's as if that's going to stop anything. No, it's not going to. And they're otherwise preparing for battle and getting their weapons ready. And Irondir 
um, takes some seeds and plants them, and apparently this is an elvish tradition. I'm going to say this is made up entirely for the show. Yeah, because I don't remember that, but it's uh, it's life in defiance of death. Is that what it was? Um, well, that's, that's what uh, Bronwyn asks if it is. But Arondir also says that one of the Valar specially looks out for growing things and for those who tend them. Now, they don't, they don't drop the name, but I assume they're talking about Yavanna, the one who's associated with trees and growing things. So it sounds like they're hoping that Yavanna will favor them in battle. And why he never associated Yavanna with war in any way. Maybe but... they're thinking of protection, then. <laughs> not that. I don't know, though. Um, maybe they're playing around with the mythology. I mean, they've already played around with it this much, so. It could be. Um, and afterwards, they kiss. So, like. We kind of already thought that Arondir and Bronwyn probably had some sort of relationship, so that confirms it. Yeah, it does. Well, yeah, they kiss. They kiss. And that was like... That was kind of unexpected to me. I didn't think that they would actually do that, but they did, and uh, I wasn't sure how far along their relationship really was, but you could kind of tell that it was being at least set up for something like that. So, but, so I guess that's just what happens. And that, would you say that was like a spur of the moment kiss or a, uh, like, uh, it didn't, it may have been, it didn't feel like, oh yeah, this is the first time they ever kissed. Yeah. They didn't act surprised by it or, yeah, and it looked like, it, it looked, looked like really normal, mutual. like something they'd done a million times before. Yeah, it looked very mutual. So that's, uh, one of those like, oh, we didn't really fully know and now we do. So, I don't know. And Theo wants to fight, and you know, keep in mind, he looks like 14. Yeah, I was going to say, he's a kid. He's... And I don't know what age during wartime... They become men, I'm sure that they're I got... considered men by now. But... To an extent, Whether this is the norm or not, his mom clearly does not want him to fight and wants him to stay in the keep with the various non-combatants and so she pulls the whole we want you to stay in the in the keep to protect them which is basically what they said oh if you've seen some of the game of thrones when they have all the women and children go into the hiding and the kid wants to fight like oh yeah we we need your protection down here. It was just like that. Yes, they have a not very strong looking barricaded wooden building where the non combatants are going to be. And next, you see orcs coming with um, their torches. Just approaching in the dark, and the fighting begins. 
Um, Bill, we're talking about orc fighting. Yeah, we are, and it gets very bloody. Um, they light a cart on fire and send it um, rolling into the orc army, and that takes out some orcs. And they start going in on horseback and slaughtering the orcs. That wasn't yet. No, I mean, later on, yeah. There's combat between Arondir and uh, one of the bigger orcs. And he tries to, he gets, Arondir gets a, gets the orc's eye out. This is the one with the eye. Yeah, it is the one with the, the eye. eye and Arondir does several, like, impressive Legolas-like um, moves and... Yeah, stabs the guy's uh, the orc's eye, and the orc is now trying to stab his. Yeah, eye. Yeah, and there's ludicrously him. animated like orc blood gore going on. Lots of gore all over the place. Um, uh, he gets stabbed in the throat. Arondir nearly loses an eye himself before the orc is stabbed from behind. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, who was it again? It was. Um, it was. Uh, that that saved him. I don't remember precisely. I, I want to say it was Bronwyn, but I it may I have been someone was, else. I think. No, I'm pretty sure it was. I'll have to watch it yet again. Uh... So anyway, lots of lots of orc and uh, people fighting. <laughs> and um, and yes, after the bat after the battle is done. Oh yes. To the horror of Arondir and Bronwyn, some of the bodies are bleeding red blood instead were, of black. And they were men. Yeah, they took off the helmet and they and some and of them were not men. some of them were not orcs, some of them were men and boys they were fighting. Yeah. Men and boys on Adar's side. Yeah, so that made me wonder, although as Sarah uh, like, we are fighting our own As Sarah reminded me uh yeah the other day that uh they did have like farm tenants and stuff like that, and there were people like that. Uh, and there were people who were actually on the side, side. of both Sauron and Morgoth. And that's, that's been illustrated already because there's the one guy saying, "Oh, it's Sauron. He's come back for us." Yeah, we but, saw we saw Waldrick join them, and it's it's pretty clear that you know Sauron is going. And you know, this is I think they're trying to show it like this is that Sauron, even though he's the bad guy, he still has people that he's taking care of or so his forces are but they're also of course making them, forcing them to do things so they're, they're, it's clear that some of them think of them as benefactors um, but so, however discovering that they are fighting not just orcs but fellow yeah, humans really it does them. really upset them and it horrifies them so and while this is going on, yeah, they think it's over, and arrows start raining down on them, and they hit many of them. I'm not sure how many, if any, are actually killed by this, well, but a couple were killed, but but yeah, several were wounded, including Bronwyn takes one all the way through her shoulder. Yeah. All right, it wasn't Bronwyn that saved him; it was um one of the other guys. Blood it, and I guess maybe we'll mention it. Uh, so anyway, but Bronwyn uh, takes it through the shoulder. I thought it was through the. I thought she got uh, shot through the chest at first, but no, it was the shoulder. Which would have been much worse. Yes, well, she would have been fatal otherwise, probably. But except for it wasn't in the heart area anyway. And so. the orcs are using like the broadhead arrows that you'd be using to like bring down deer back then. It's so. Yeah, she's carried into the keep where the non-combatants are, and 
There's a very tense, very gory, very bloody surgery well, the, scene. The, the, the surgery, which is where you'd remove an arrow there, is what you... Yeah, they, you they cut off, off the... The head and the break off the, the, um, the shaft part. And, and they pull it out. It yeah. Now, they made this, in my opinion, and again, I'm definitely not an expert. I'm far from an expert. It looked like there was more blood, but then it seemed like there was a lot more blood than, uh... Uh, there normally would have been in general. Like, this was more was... blood and gore than I've ever seen in any other one moment like, of a Tolkien we, we thing. Don't know whether or not to put a uh, content warning. In fact, we probably should have, but uh, other stuff. But I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, the point is that it was very violent episode. Uh, lots of blood and gore. She. Now she passes out, but she recovers. And quickly. they they cauterized it with burning pieces of wood. Yeah. Now it would have been cleaner to use metal, but wood's what they had, and yeah, they just did what they had. Anyway, and now this is interesting. Time. While this is happening, Theo has blood on his hand, mm-hmm. and he's picking up the seeds, and I'm not sure why. Is are they suggesting that? Um, treating the wounds as a form of battle too, or were they trying to use the seeds as to make something to treat the wound with? And I didn't quite pick that up. Or I wasn't sure about that either. But he does do that. I thought it was some sort. They of look thing. like ordinary grain seeds. Yeah. Yeah, the Numenorians arrive on horseback just then and attack the orcs as the orcs are trying to force their way into the building. Now, they really... I never associated Numenorians with, like, epic cavalry charges. They tried their best to get the feeling of Rohan and the riders. Yeah. And they had, like, horse hair plumes from their helmets and all that. And you see some stunt riding, some actual stunt riding, like, you know, projectiles thrown and someone, you know, drops to the side of the running horse and just keeps sticking to the saddle sideways. Uh, I've seen that kind of, those kind of, like, riding tricks before in a circus. Yeah. I've seen that sort of thing before. And they probably, they probably... I'm sure they hire somebody like that to, for the part. Over yeah. No, I mean to to act the part. They'd get like one of those people trained to do the circus or rodeo trick well, riding. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying to do the actual performance. So. And yeah, Adar and orcs have gotten into the building and the. It looks like it's a standoff, but then Adar starts ordering the orcs to begin um, executing the prisoners, which you know they begin to do. If they, if you don't give up what he came for, which is that sword hilt, and when it gets to where Bronwyn is about to be executed, Theo gets out the sword hilt and gives it up. You know, so his mom won't be executed. 
And, uh, and when that happens... Adar then... gallops away on horseback, pursued by Galadriel and, and... Um, Halbrand. Yeah. It was Halbrand, I think, that saved... Because Halbrand's been here the whole time, hasn't he? Oh, no, Hal- Halbrand arrived with the... Galadriel? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure who... I don't know. Could have been anyone. There was, like, a whole bunch of, like... Back and forth, and I'm sorry, a lot of it, part of my excuse is going to be a lot of these people are wearing this armor that's, you know, it's meant to be, like, a specific type of armor and all that, but, uh, they're, they're wearing it, and it kind of, uh, makes a lot of them look alike, which, you know, it's meant to, yeah, so, it's a pretty cool one, that's one of those, uh... Well, they, they have an epic uh, horseback chase with Adar, and something is actually thrown at Galadriel, and she does the sideways riding, too, and I'm sure they got a stunt rider for that. Well, you always have to fight. Yes, we already talked about this. And she and Halbrand do overtake Adar, and Halbrand reaches out a spear and trips Adar's horse, which falls over and then runs away without Adar. And when Adar is on the ground, he stabs Adar through the hand with a sword. Um, and I will note that his blood is black like the orcs. Yes, it is. And that now that here's the thing with the uh, elves. What was it again? Their blood is supposed to be. Um, Did they ever go into that? It doesn't go that. into that, but I assume their blood is red just like humans. Because I thought they did mention it at one point that their blood was red, but I don't remember. Um, this was like, this would have been a while ago. Elves do not have weird, black, unnatural looking blood like orcs, trolls. That's very much yeah, a. That's, that's, that's the thing. That's... Uh, they take Adar prisoner. And Halbrand wants to kill him because of what he's done to his people. And Adar is also taunting him about, oh, did he cause him pain? Or perhaps a woman or a child. So, you know, it it seems that Halbrand may have had some kind of family before all this. Yeah, well, that's what I took it as. I yeah, that's to what I took that, it as, too. I took it to mean that he had family, that he had a wife, they had at least a child, and this was, like, mocking this. And he is getting ready to kill... Uh... But Galadriel keeps Ada alive for questioning. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get oh, to yes. what happens next, because, or what happens during that, because some questionable things happen. Yes, and Galadriel... Like, Galadriel stopping him from killing him to keep him alive to, for question, that makes sense. But anyway, we'll Galadriel is asking about elves that have been taken and twisted and tortured by Sauron. And Adar actually claims to have killed Sauron, which is interesting. Yeah. Oh, during this questioning, Galadriel threatens to expose the prisoners to sunlight. Which, yeah, that's torture. Yeah, well, here's the thing. As we discussed in the previous podcast, the most that would be like, that would still technically be torture, but it would be lighter torture, like, you know, like an annoying thing or something. Yeah, the light hurts their eyes, but it doesn't physically damage them. But in this, they treat it more like a vampire thing. It burns. This is actual real torture. This would be like, like, I mean, it's all real torture, but this would be like serious, serious physical torture, which... 
again, both out of character, but this is actually more out of character. And it is, it is Tolkien canon that Elves. the God Aligned Air Forces, they... They would not torture for information, not even an orc. Like, they would kill an orc, but they would not... Yeah, and they, they, they make that very clear. Like, they this comes up. Um, so this is, like, one of those things... This is one of those things we've been continuing to talk about, like, the actual divergence from canon. Like, you have these people that are going on about stuff that doesn't matter with it, and then you have, like, this actual divergence from canon, which is weird stuff that... People aren't going to necessarily know or care about unless they actually really did, like, read the books constantly or anything like that. I mean, it's one of those things where you're not going to necessarily know unless you really know. And it's... Is that a... uh... I mean, I think that that's closer to... Well, the elves don't torture their enemies thing. Yeah, that's canon. No, I'm saying that's canon. I'm saying, should... Like, does that matter? I'd say that actually does matter, I think, in the... uh... In the production, because it's like, okay, you're gonna actually introduce an element of tor- of the bad guys behaving, you know, not the you know the good guys behaving not really good. Like if you're gonna do that, you have to sort of calculate that. Where you're you're just gonna like put something like you know it's gonna be like twenty four or something where it's like yeah we're gonna torture this orc. It's like okay, but is this to actually show like what type of point are you trying to make? Anyway, go ahead. That's my mind. Well, Adar talks about Morgoth being um, a designer of chaos and Sauron of order, which is canon. Mm-hmm. That um, Sauron's brand of evil is more like enforced um, order and subjugation to Sauron, and uh, Morgoth is about chaos disrupting the order of Iluvatar and of the other Valar. Now, in practice, I might get some annoyed Silmarillion readers out there, but I don't find their actions all that different from each other. Yeah. Sauron and Morgoth. You know, both of them are into waging war on Middle-earth and twisting creatures to make orcs and make trolls and carpet pretty jewelry. It's, It's not that different. And Adar also says that, you know, these, um, these twisted uh, elves, they have the secret fire too, and they need a place in the world. So that's, that's interesting. He's, Adar seems to be advocating that, you know, these twisted elves or these orcs, oh, they have souls too, and they belong in the world, which... That's the idea. I mean, you could make that argument, at least. But, you know. But it's also a direction that I've never seen really explored in any of Tolkien's work. It's been debated in fan forums a bit. It's also been debated as to, like, the true nature of, like, uncorruption. Yes, and Tolkien didn't seem to ever really be satisfied himself, as in he wanted his orcs to be pure evil, but it also didn't mesh with with his personal theology as well as he'd like, so he kept uh, (laughs) 
yeah, you know, it, rewriting it how the arcs. Yeah, it didn't mesh with his meta, the metaphysics of his world really either. So, for orcs to be pure evil, yeah. not by choice, and and uh, and it's also just the whole uh, natural philosophy of his uh, of his work. That's that's sort of a weird thing, but that's one of those another thing where it's like you know it's gonna be. He, Tolkien rewrote quite a few things, and you could tell that, I feel like he was, he probably would have retconned, like, forever. Like, if he lived 20 years longer, he would have, like, retconned yeah, it yeah, he would have. times. And oh my would, goodness, now, he now, tried to do, like, three separate versions we, of The Hobbit. We should also note, though, that a lot of people probably wouldn't notice these retcons, like, even among the fans. Like, because he's, again, he would have been like, okay... Here's a note with the He's like, oh, here's thing. the Hobbit. Oh, but yeah. this doesn't... It's got a few anachronistic elements, and also exactly. Gollum isn't acting like Gollum. So here, here so let's uh, re-release it as the version that uh, is available now. And then he tried to write a darker version of the Hobbit, and it, it never got finished. Yeah. Um, so he was always rewriting. Um, this is something that I could have seen him maybe doing but he was clearly it seemed like he was trying to go in the opposite direction towards the end but whatever the point is that they're making this this is a more acceptable change just to make it make more sense and to not delve into things that would like needlessly confuse people so I don't know that's that's again these are my weird little opinions um Galadriel says that she will destroy every last one and Adar says that to find Morgoth's successor, she should look in the mirror. So, um, he seems to be saying that Galadriel's all-out merciless war against the forces of Sauron are making her like Sauron. Which, uh... I kind of uh, yes and no to. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not like what Galadriel's doing is unprovoked, but yeah, torture is well, pretty torture, uh, torture, yeah, extreme. The torture is and like threatening. Well, she goes further later on. Um, have we gotten to that point yet? Where we she, are at that point. Yeah, where she but she's like she'll destroy stars. every last. And, yeah, that's. I feel like genocide is a little much too, like not just the, uh, not just the torture, but that. And I mean, I feel like. Okay, and once this, again, the problem of oh, what to do about the orcs after the after the War of the Ring and so was on was never thing. really fully gotten into. Yeah, that was another. And I know George R. R. pretty famously brought that up. Well, what about all? What about the orcs? Are they going to be genocided? What about the little orcs and their little orc cradles? Like that's not a trust. Um, well, that's not exactly how orcs are made either. But that's, well, well, we may have been. I don't know. At I that point, yeah, like, that is how they were. <laughs> Were they? Because I thought the orcs were, like, um, continually made. It, like the first orcs were corrupted elves, but afterwards they apparently quote unquote multiplied after the manner of the children of Iluvatar. That meant oh, they had babies. Okay. Yeah, they yeah, did. Right, that's that's a quote then there. So okay, yeah, getting into some Tolkienology here. So. 
they kind of got away from that in the Jackson films because it showed orcs just being born out of like mud membranes yeah, in a mud pit. I figured. Um, because yeah, the Jackson thing doesn't fully even address the other thing. But anyway, point is that. Uh, point is that I agree that genocide and torture would be you know, a little too much. Definitely not something that really I think the good guys are meant to be approving of or even talking about. Granted, I'm sure that this might be like a whole thing where it's like Galadriel will get redeemed or something. Like she's that full of hatred and then because, you know, as we... As well, the Galadriel you see in Lord of the Rings... It's very different. And people uh, she's still wants, She still desires a form of power. She's tempted by the ring and what the ring could Which do for her if... she's not talking about... She's not talking about, that. yeah, let's uh, put orcs in the sunlight while they burn like vampires yeah. and... She's not, she's not talking about torture and mass <laughs> murder and stuff like that. So, um... It's... It's one of those things, uh, or at least total extermination. So and Galadriel also. That's why we're gonna put the way I mean. Um, calls Adar an orc. Now Adar's using Uruk. Yeah, he's constant, and he corrects her at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. We prefer Uruk. So that's an interesting little thing. That's an interesting little tidbit. Now, in, uh... In, I think, Sindarin, Orc is, um... Why... I'm gonna be spelling it wrong. Y-R-C-H, I believe. Which seems to be related to the word Orc. And Uruk is... From the Black Speech of Mordor... Um, Uruk High is like the orc people. Yep. Trolls are Olog High. So that's that's one of those things uh, where that's an interesting distinction, especially because, like I said, you're correct. You know. uh, Muriel is seen talking to Bronwyn about her ability as a leader. Oh yeah, Bronwyn is up and about as if she hadn't just. Nearly bled out from an arrow wound. That was quick. Um, Bronwyn says that she never looked for it, and Muriel says that the some of the best leaders, you know, didn't either. And she says she's brought their king, and Halbrand steps forward, and Bronwyn sees the sigil he's carrying and asks if this is true, and he says yes. Now I'm going to address another fan theory that seems to be. Um, dismissed by this. Uh, some people have guessed that um, Halbrand was the father of Theo, and so he's the dead or absent father. I'm going to say no, because she doesn't seem to have any recognition of him whatsoever. They don't know each other. No, they don't. So that's, that's sort of Um, next, you see Arandir talking to Theo, and he says he understands, you know, why he gave up the sword hilt. He, you know, he doesn't seem mad about it. And but Theo says that he didn't feel just guilt; he felt loss because when he held the sword, he felt power when he held it. 
Oh, and you can see the marks on his arm from the sword, like... I don't understand how this is working, but the sword is apparently, like, pricking the arm of the person who uses it and taking blood from them. Yeah, it's clearly one of those, like, things where it's like... There's nothing like that in Tolkien no, lore. It's, it's like a total D&D type thing. Yeah, I was gonna say. I That's even, I tried to... what they put in I know a decent amount of D&D lore, but far from all of it, no, and I tried to look it up. No, it's not gonna be that. It needs to be something that, you know, or here's the thing about D&D. They can introduce new things. Yeah, your DM be, might be like, hey, I want to make this vampire sword that's sucking your life force. Like, what was and... it, uh, what was it, um, uh, well, we won't, we won't get into that. We'll just say I've heard, I found I've heard a... some, I, I've, I've seen d- Dungeon Masters do some creative things, and this is, like, something that would be put there, so. I found in canon D&D stuff a blood sword that drinks the blood of... Um, enemies you use it on, as opposed to that of your character, and it appears to be like a vampire artifact. Oh, and it's apparently sentient and neutral evil and talks. Yeah, I can make Tolkien fans even matter and say it kind of reminds me of what uh, Turin had. Um. Yeah, I think it, I wonder if it was meant. Again, Maybe I always, I always wonder if these are references because we wondered if there was an earlier uh, Turin reference with some of the things too. It's like, what is going to be incorporated here? I mean, yeah, that's more obscure, but that's something they could have had. They could have read a whole bunch of that stuff before they did that. Yeah. You know, anyway, everyone there says that. That he should be the one to get rid of it, and he should give it to the Numenorians to toss into the sea on their way home. Now, that's not really him getting rid of it. That's not exactly Frodo tossing the ring in. No. Um, and I don't know why Arondir really trusts the Numenorians not to keep it, or some soldier not to say, oh, it's mine now. But the point's kind of moot, because when... Theo unwraps the cloth wrapped around the weapon. It's not the sword hilt. It's a basic non-magical axe and somebody's taken it. And yeah, that's right. We've been cut to who... Waltrag uh, has it and he draws the sword and you can see fresh blood marks on his arm and he sticks the sword in the ground and it seems to fit into a slot which he twists and this releases a giant flood of water. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that, that, that's, that's the start of that and he clearly was trying to... Uh, I mean, he, he clearly was reversed. And meanwhile, Isildur is seen, um, he's treating a wound on his horse, and the horse seems really agitated. And Elendil comes along and says the horse's agitation is not from his own pain, but that of the rider. Um, and And he's like, it isn't himself... The horse isn't reacting to Elendil, it's reacting to Isildur's emotions, the horse is sensing that. And the steed of westerness is so bounded to its, bonded to its rider that they can sense each other's feelings. 
you know, the horse is reading your feelings now, kind of. No. I don't... I would say that a regular non-magical horse that has a pretty close bond with its rider can sometimes sense that kind of thing. And horses can tell when things like, oh, they've got a nervous rider and... Um, depending on how well-behaved and trained the horse is, some horses will go extra carefully and quietly or take advantage of it, kind of depending on the horse here. Yeah, and it probably would depend on the horse. Um, but what horses really react to is when there's about to be an earthquake or something, so that seems a more plausible, the flood that's going on. Yeah, and it seems like... Now, you said something about the Valor, right? Didn't you? At one point or no? I said something about the Valor earlier, how they were trying to get no, the favor. But, but here, didn't you, when we were watching at one point? It might have something to do with them? No. I, okay. I don't think that has to do with the Valor. Okay. And the flood continues, and it eventually pours water into this underground cave thing with molten lava. Now, maybe that's the quote-unquote Udon mentioned in the title. And this triggers an eruption of Mount Doom. So now you know for sure they are definitely in Mordor. I that's said, what it was. It was Mount yes, Doom. Yes, I said it was gone to her back in the beginning of this podcast, but no, it's Mordor. Yeah, so, so it eru- Mount Doom erupts. And you can tell Mordor is going to become what we know. And the people, rocks start coming out of the volcano, and it's hitting where, and smoke in the air, and it's hitting where the people are. And they're panicking, but they're not really, really running away from it. You'd think they'd get on their fast horses and try to get out of there. Um, Bronwyn says to take shelter, although note that the only real place they have a shelter is that rickety wooden building that's not gonna... It's not gonna last through fire, it's not gonna last through those heavy rocks hitting it. And while this is happening, Galadriel appears to be overtaken and hit by a rock. Um... She does not look like she would have survived that, but she must have because there's a Galadriel still around for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Credits roll, and they're singing some kind of in a language I don't know. It was not Elvish? It may have been, but I don't... You don't know enough Elvish. It's okay. I don't know any Elvish. I'm picking up Elvish bit by bit, but not... Enough to actually hear a conversation or a song in it and be like, yeah, I know what they're saying. I can see, like, place names in Elvish and be like, oh, yeah, there's here's descriptor, other descriptor. Bad enough with other, with actual languages, so. So, yeah, that's the end. Do you have any additional thoughts on it? Well, I, I honestly want to know where they're going with this, with Galadriel. Like I said, like, they have some serious... I would say she's had several out-of-character moments, in my opinion. She's largely in character. 
she's largely written as well as you can write someone like Galadriel. For anyone complaining about her being Mary Sue, understand this is Galadriel. Um, we've said that before, but I'll say it again. Uh, she's meant to be, before Mary Sue's existed, she was meant to be, like, you know, a very, very OP person and character. But she still had certain characteristics, and they saw, they've been, I guess, three times, really, they've changed her character slightly. Again, you're not going to notice it necessarily, because it's just in an instant, but... It's in. Oh, like, your big one was she bowed to a human. Yeah, she bowed. Well, she bowed to a human. No, now my big one is her suggesting torture. Like, that's a bigger deal. And, like, the genocide's pretty big deal, but the torture is an even bigger deal. Because, again, like, the whole thing with uh, orcs and all that. It's. Yeah, anyway. But that is a bigger deal than the other two big deals of the uh, wiping things out and. Uh, um, and you think Adar? And... How do you feel about the ideas of Adar being Sauron or not being Sauron now? Nim, just eat your popcorn. Nim, it's, eat the eat your crap. <laughs> <laughs> right, she's not going for it. Um, sorry, what were you asking about Adar being Sauron? I think, I think that's still tricky because he's saying things. Man, that he's are saying he killed Sauron, and you know Sauron isn't dead. But he's saying he killed Sauron. He's also saying he can smell Sauron, and they're looking for <clears throat> Sauron. He's claiming he's not Sauron, but he seems to be on Sauron's side, but not on Sauron's side. Although one thing he mentioned that I think <clears throat> was interesting was he talked about the orcs being his children and they even call him the name Adar calls him father um I was wondering if he was a lieutenant recruited by Sauron to make orcs and he has rebelled against Sauron because he's tired of sending his children to the meat grinder so I wondered if he was like you know tired of war he wants to actually build some kind of orc society he doesn't really know how but and he's an evil elf and i'm still not even sure about his species like what if he really is like even if he's not Sauron, what if he even just, if he's some sort of proto partially corrupted orc type? yeah or something or some 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 supernatural being that just took the form of an elf now there have been um, there have been some Elves of evil or very questionable morality in the Silmarillion, but straight up bleeding black blood. That's uh, bleeding black blood and also making orcs and aligning themselves with orcs. That is like that's something that's, that's, all that's unheard has, of. Yes, that's that, that's not something that even even if it was a crazy or an, or a you know evil or renegade elf, none of those things would turn them physiologically. None of them would actually make them Won't have anything to, to do with orcs, orcs. yes. Yeah. So... Then again, if he was Sauron, wouldn't he lie about being Sauron? Yeah, so maybe. that's another thing. Like, maybe it is Sauron, or maybe he's, uh... He doesn't really know it, and he's a part of Sauron or something. They're gonna do some sort of weird, uh... piece together thing with that. But... If I were to guess, I would guess that right now he is a lieutenant, but 
at the same time with the strong possibility that he is in fact Sauron and he's just messing with everyone. I'm not now, Sauron. Call me daddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, what did what did you say? You said about how he could be Sauron. Now, if he is, is if he were Sauron. Um, in the Silmarillion, Sauron is captured in the battle and taken back to Numenor, where he works his way to becoming an advisor of the king, and through his terrible advice, becomes the ruin of Numenor, because he's like, yeah, worshipping the forces of darkness, that's a great idea. And yeah, and, was, and it turned out he was Sauron, so then... So if he were Sauron, maybe this is when they capture him as a prisoner and take him back to Numenor. Yeah, this could all be playing out. And yeah, I guess we could say potential spoilers, but if that happens... But the Silmarillion means... has been out a good long time, yeah, so... Yeah, and that's also, if that's what happens, and that's just what happens. That's the, uh, you know, that's the, uh... You know, the uh, thing is, I don't believe that Amazon got company. the rights to the actual Silmarillion, so they they have the rights to, like, the Lord of the Rings and the appendices of Lord of the Rings and their... this is why they're being creative with certain things, too. So, because they know that. So, I don't know. And, yeah, they have a... It's been a long time since I've read the Lord of the Rings appendices. They got a little section on Numenor that's mostly a long list of their kings and when they were around and... To get the full story of Numenor, you gotta actually read the Silmarillion, which is a uh, very, very dense book. We saw nothing of the Harfoots and nothing of the Meteor Man. So I hope that in the next episode we'll catch up with whatever's going on with them. Meteor Man. I, people really calling him that? They were calling him that before it even aired. Okay. Although so a lot calling of... him that trips me out because there's no way you would have seen the movie Meteor Man. Have you? No, I haven't. Exactly. Exactly. See? So they, they were calling him the Meteor Man, and now a lot of fans are calling him the Stranger, which I may actually like better, but... Yeah. Yeah, I want to find out what's going on with him and with the Harfoots and with those uh, creepy-looking priestesses that were following him. Yeah. Well, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast. And please follow us, join our Facebook group. Any feedback, we'd love to hear it. And uh, have a good evening. Good night.